0: No, Fred was the name of the race, Glennis, because ah, it's too difficult. It hurt my throat. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you care for us. Lord, so often we're not disciplined, but help us to be disciplined in in following you, and be disciplined in giving up our rights for the sake of others. Uh, please speak to us now. Use even my mouth. Lord, we have sung about your holiness, and we are reminded that, that we are not holy, but that you are and that you live in us. And so would you, by your presence, sanctify us and grow us to be like your son? Help us to know you better. Help us to be disciplined. That on the great day when you return, Jesus, we won't be 373 kilograms of Christian flab, but that you will look at us and say, wow, you've run a good race. Thank you, Father. Amen. So turn with me, if you would, to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I've got very bad news for you guys. This is the last week that we're doing Corinthians for now. We will come back to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, remember context. Last week, Graham said something cheeky. I didn't quite hear. Last week, we're talking about food sacrifice to idols. Um, and, and Paul was speaking about, can a Christian eat it? Can a Christian not eat it? And we saw it's actually about more than just what we eat and what we don't eat. It's about how we deal with the gray areas in life. So, there's some bits of the Bible that are absolutely clear. Um, There's some stuff you just don't do. Worshipping other gods, God says no. Adultery, God says not in your life. Murder, no. Stealing, no. I mean, this is quite clear. You can't say, well... uh, Homosexuality, no. There's other bits where the Bible says, yes, you can absolutely do this. You can show love to people. You can be kind. You can be compassionate. You can... Uh, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. All of these things, says Paul in Galatians. There is no law against these things. God says yes. And of course, there are other areas in life where where they're gray areas, where we have to use um, our understanding of who God is and our consciences um, to determine what the right behavior is. And Paul said last week, in the gray areas of life, what should determine our behavior is love for others. Is what I'm doing, building up or breaking down my brother or sister in Christ, is it furthering the gospel or not? And so last week, the, the situation in Corinth was that there were some Christians who were using their right, They're saying, I have a right to eat whatever I want to eat. And Paul was saying to them quite clearly, you know, knowing your rights is only part of the story. Um, Because sometimes the right thing to do is to not hold on to your rights. Right? (laughs) And here in in chapter 9, Paul's big point, we're going to read it now, is that he has so many rights as an apostle, um, but he didn't claim them. He's going to tell us all about them and... And he's going to tell us why he didn't claim them, because he wants us to see really clearly that there is more to life than what I have a right to. So in the first bit, Paul's going to speak about having rights, then he's going to explain why he doesn't use them, and then he's going to explain to us in the last bit of the passage what that actually means to us and to the Corinthians. So let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, well, am I not free, as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think that I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. Well, this is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and to share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us, as the other apostles do, and the Lord's brothers do, and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier pays his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of the fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing just a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, uh, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Now, was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us, so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. And since we haven't planted a spiritual seed since we have planted a spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything other with anything rather than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals? from the offerings brought to the temple. And those who serve at the altar, will they get a share of the sacrificial offerings. And in the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights, And I'm not writing now to suggest that I want to start. In fact, I'd rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charging. Yet preaching the good news isn't something that I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible it is for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What's my pay? It's the opportunity to preach the good news without charging. That's why I, demand, why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. And even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people. To bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who are, follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. And when, I, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I don't ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try and find common ground with everyone, doing everything. Everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. Now don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just... Shadow boxing, beating the air. I I discipline my body like an athlete. I train it to do what, what it should. Otherwise, I fear that having preached to others, I myself might be disqualified. What a great chapter. So Paul starts out and he says, Look, guys, let's just get something clear to you. I am an apostle. And you should realize, says Paul, that as an apostle, that brings some some rights that I have over you. Uh, What does it mean to be an apostle? It means that you are one who saw the risen Jesus, charged with sharing the good news of his being alive again and offering us life. And the Corinthians, part of their issue with Paul, and part of the reason why they questioned his authority, is because he refused... To let them pay him. And some of you looking, what? Why do you question his authority when he's doing it for free? This is this is quite a common thing. People, if I pay for something, it's got to be worth something. If he's doing it for free, it's probably a bit shoddy, isn't it? Especially when Paul says, I'll do it for free. And old John over here come not John from the Bible, let's call somebody else. Uh, Jehoshaphat over here says, well, I'll charge you $2,000 a day to tell you about Jesus. They'll go, wow, the $2,000 one, it's got to be worth something. If you can charge that much, we'll pay. So their issue with Paul, they say, Paul, you told us all about Jesus, but, but hey, if, if you were really to be trusted, you'd be charging us something. We, we should be paying you because we pay everyone. And, and yet you sit here and you go, I don't want to be paid. They seriously mucked up the Corinthians, slightly like us, seriously in trouble. And so he gives them these four questions. Um, Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Clearly, Paul says, yes. Yes. I'm an apostle. I'm free. You owe me, if you like. I brought you to Jesus. And he says, You know what? As an apostle, as a preacher of the good news, I have rights. Have a look at what he says in verse 4. He says, Don't we have a right to eat and drink? Don't we have a right to be fed? Back in those days, one of the main ways that that if you would feed a visiting preacher, well, if a visiting preacher came, you would feed him. Because otherwise, he would maybe starve. And so Paul says, well, you know, it makes sense. Don't I have the right, if I'm telling you the good news of the gospel, that you would maybe even just make sure that I don't pass out from malnourishment halfway through? He says in verse 5, don't I have the right to take along with me on my missionary journey a believing wife. Implication, you should probably be looking after her as well. And he says, well, it's clear that all the others seem to be doing this, and, and, and Peter does it, and the Lord's brothers do it, and the apostles do it. How come I'm not allowed to take a wife, says Paul? Academic, because he doesn't have one, but he says, you know, I should be able to do it. He goes on in verse 6, he says, Is it only Barnabas and me who have to work our hands to the bone so that we can preach to you. Barnabas was a wealthy man. Remember, um, he, Barnabas is his nickname because he, he was a son of encouragement. He sold some land. He gave it to the apostles. This is, this is Barnabas, a wealthy man. I can understand if a wealthy man came along and said, now pay me, people might get a bit upset. But, but Paul says, okay, Is it only Barnabas and I that have to fend for ourselves? You pay everyone else. How about us? He says, actually, I do have rights as an apostle of Jesus. He says, as the one who's bringing you the gospel, I could claim that you guys should be supporting me. Paul says, I'm not just making this up on my own. I'm going to give you five reasons, says Paul, why I could claim that you should support me. First off, it's just common sense. Think about it. And he gives these these three analogies from, from warfare and from farming and from shepherding. I mean, what sort of army wouldn't give the soldier his sword? Or what sort of army wouldn't give the soldier his uniform? What sort of farmer would dare to farm if he wasn't allowed to eat an apple from his orchard? What sort of shepherd wouldn't drink the milk from his own flock? Craziness. says, Paul, it makes sense. But he goes on, he says, it makes more than just common sense, it's also what God says. And he quotes Deuteronomy 25, 54, he says... um, Which is a really obscure thing. He says, God's law says that when you are harvesting and you got your oxen like put together into the stirrup so that you can thresh the grain. Don't muzzle the ox so that it can have some food it can eat a bit while it works for you. And Paul says, Do you think God was just writing about animals? Yeah, of course. The law, at face value, is about animals. But Paul says, no, actually, it's also about us. Paul says God is saying there that that the worker deserves his wages. He's saying there, well, making disciples is like harvesting, and, and if oxen shouldn't be muzzled as they plow, then neither should preachers be prevented from eating while they preach. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? God says that it makes common sense. It's just also, it's just intrinsically just. Paul says to them in verse 12, By the way, do you remember that I introduced you to Jesus? And now you're going to turn around and say, Paul, get lost. He says, now, now if I introduced you to Jesus, surely you would want to respond by... By looking after me. He says, Paul, well, I could have claimed that from you. Jewish custom, says Paul in verses 13 and 14. When you go to the temple, part of your sacrifice goes to the priest. And for the Corinthians, they would have understood this, particularly in the light of chapter 8, which is all about temple meat. They would have understood that some of the meat goes to the priest. And Paul says, well, it makes sense. If, if you are the priest, you get some perks from the job you get supported, as in you don't starve. It's a nice perk, not starving. And he says, actually, let's just bring it right down. You want to know the absolute proof that I've got a right, that you guys, I could claim that you should support me, says Paul. Well, think about it, Jesus said so. Jesus said that a worker is worth his wages. Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out a two by two, to go and tell of his coming, he said, well, go, Luke chapter 10, verse 7, go into a house, stay in that house, eat whatever they give you, drink whatever they give you, because the laborer deserves his wages. Paul says, basically all all of this is summing up, he's saying, I have the right to expect you to make sure that I survive. He says, I have the right. I I have the right to say I'm not working, but anywhere except in the church, and you should be supporting me. I like what what Don Carson says. He says, the church does not pay its ministers. Rather, it provides them with resources so that they are able to serve freely. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I have the right to be released so that I can serve. And maybe if you were reading this the first time and you were reading here, reading here, reading here, Paul says, I've got this right, I've got this right, I've got this right, I've got this right. He'd be going, jolly well, why haven't they started paying him? And then we come to Paul in chapter chapter 9 verse 15 and he turns around and says, I've got all these rights. But I'm not listing them all so that you can feel sorry for me and go, oh, poor Paul. Some churches, not this church, but some churches need to hear this. Um, in the olden days, there was that old saying, um, we'll keep the pastor humble. Uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep the pastor poor so that he will remain humble. Horrible saying. Luckily, I'm not at all in that situation. You guys are fantastic. Paul's point in all of this is not to say, I should have what I deserve. That is what the world says. The world says, I insist on my rights. And you know what? It's not wrong for a a preacher or a missionary to say, you know what? I deserve to be paid. It's not wrong. In fact, Jesus says it's right, but But Paul says, you know what, sometimes the right thing to do is not to stand on my rights. Says Paul over here in verse 15. What does he say? I've never used any of these rights and I'm not writing to suggest that I start now. I don't want my rights. I don't want to use them. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to start preaching without charging anyone. You see, for Paul, what is important is not his rights, but the work that he's doing. And it's a compulsion on his life. He wasn't preaching and going around and getting stoned and getting shipwrecked and getting beaten to a pulp and getting whipped all the time. He wasn't doing that because he felt this was a good career move. He was doing it because God says, this is your career move, Paul. God had laid a compulsion on him. He says in verse 16, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't do it. He says, and I'm happy to do it without pay because because I do get paid. And my pay for preaching without pay is preaching without pay. That is someone who preaches because he has to preach, not because he wants to get paid. His reward is not getting a reward. Boy, Paul can sometimes be very circles within circles kind of. but. But Paul says, I'm about the mission and the ministry not about my rights he says I'm not about standing on what I deserve or what I what my rights are and I think I think most preachers and missionaries probably fall into the same category if not all preachers and missionaries fall into this category. I don't think there is a preacher or a missionary who could not be better off if they weren't in ministry. But they're in ministry because God has laid it on their hearts, laid it on my heart, to, to preach and to tell others about Jesus. And the satisfaction comes in the telling. Do you know what the most joyful moment is in, in a preacher's life or in a missionary's life? Joan, what, what's the most joyful moment for you? Seeing someone come to the Lord. Paul says, I'm going I'm to insist on getting paid. No, I'd rather see people come to the Lord. I'm going to stand on my rights. No, I'd rather see people come to Jesus. He says, you know what? I'm a free man, but, but that means that I'm a servant. He says in verse 19, I know that I am free from all men. I think the NRV puts it that way. Um, I am a free man with no master. But I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. And those verses, 19 to 23, you get the same thought repeated six times. I will do anything to win or to save as many as I can for Jesus. When I'm with the Jewish people, I will be like the Jewish people. When I'm with the non-Jewish people, I will be like the non-Jewish people. When I'm with those who are weak in their consciences, I will not offend their consciences. That's last week's sermon. When I'm I'm with the strong, I will be like the strong. When I'm with whoever, I will be like whoever so that they can come to know Jesus. The picture on the bulletin today is a chameleon um, who apparently don't change colors. I was really disappointed when I learned that. But let's pretend that they do. Chameleons changing colors. Paul says, what I look like on the outside changes depending where I stand. And it does that because of who I am on the inside. I am a free man in Christ and so my skin can change depending on where I stand. It doesn't mean that that Paul will just do anything and go anywhere. It it means that it means that Paul loves people. And he'll hang out with whoever. Kind of like someone else I know, Jesus, who, who hung out with whoever. You read your gospels, he hung out with the tax collectors, he hung out with the prostitutes, he hung out with the Pharisees. And he dealt with them all slightly differently. Got to remember, Paul is still speaking in the context of some of the gray areas of life. He doesn't say, I will become all things to all people. To the adulterer, I will become like an adulterer. To the thief, I will be like a thief. That's just stupid. Paul doesn't go there. He says, you know what? There's some things I'm not going to go. Because God says no. Some things I'm always going to say yes because God says yes. But wherever possible, I will adapt myself, my shape, my color, on the outside to match where people are at. We're not really good at that, are we? It, it's it's a, one of those horrible statistics that most churches draw from one socioeconomic class. Isn't that horrible? I read a story on the internet today speaking about how so many churches in the U.S. have moved location. Um, their stated reason is that you know, the population couldn't support us anymore. And you look at it, and the real reason is that the population has changed and it's no longer our people. Paul says, You know what? Our people is whoever I am with at the moment. And I will try and I will adapt and I will just change my skin because, underneath, you know what? The gospel message is there and it's coming. I don't change who I am, but I change how I interact with my environment. And it's in this context that Paul turns around at the end of the chapter and he says, you know what, I try and find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some, I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race only one person runs? You know, it's in this context that Paul speaks about spiritual discipline and, and first off the, the, the athletics and the running race. And, and he says, You know what? They get a, a crown that's going to wilt. Our crown lasts forever. And it's a slightly wrong analogy because in the kingdom, if you're in Christ, you've already won. But all of this is in the context of giving up my rights. You know what, what does an athlete do? An athlete trains hard and works hard and gives up eating chocolate and gives up lazing around all day and, and gives up so many things for the sake of their prize. Paul says, as a Christian, I'm training myself to do the same thing, I'm training myself to, to, to give up my rights. For the sake of the gospel. And sometimes that's really tough. I'm sure there were moments when Paul was stitching together a tent at 3 a.m. because he had an order due the next day and he'd been preaching all afternoon. I'm sure there were times when he thought to himself, you know, it would be so easy if they just gave me some money. But no, he says, I discipline myself because I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm doing this for the sake of the prize. You know, one of my favorite images, and um, there's a song by either Chris Rice or Casting Crowns, speaks about it. It's an image from Hebrews where it says, One day there is a cloud of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses. Well, isn't going to be, Paul is, can you imagine Paul arriving in heaven, crossing that finish line of, of life into eternity, into eternal life. Can you imagine the crowds at the line there going, yeah, a crowd of witnesses. And Paul says, yeah, boy, it was worth all that. It was worth the long nights. It was worth the beatings. It was worth being all things to all people because Wow. Wow, I've won. And Jesus walking out and going, the victor's crown in Christ yours. Well, I want to challenge all of us this week to, to think about what our rights as Christians are. Because we've all got rights. Whether that is, in particular, like Paul for Christian ministry, or whether that is your right at work, or whether it is a right at home, or whether it is a right in your family, or whether it is a right wherever. And I wanted you to ask yourself, if I stick to my rights, what will people think of Jesus, because I'm his ambassador. And then ask yourself, if I'm willing to hold loosely onto my rights, will that give me a chance to tell people about Jesus? Jesus told a story. Let me just finish with this. Jesus told a story about a man who owed a million dollars to the king, and the king called him in. And the man said, I, I can't pay. And the king said, well, you should go to jail. And the man said, I'm sorry. I, please, have, I'll get the money to you somehow. And the king said, you know what? I'll wipe the debt out. You're fine. There's the king who didn't stand on his rights. And then that man who'd been forgiven walked outside, found a man who owed him a hundred dollars and said, "Where's my money?" I'm so I don't I, I, uh, Where's my money? I'll get it to you. I'll just be patient. Where's my money? Offer oh, sent him to jail. Refused to do anything except stand on his rights. It's a horrible end to the story because the king finds out and he says calls the man back and he says, "You don't you get it? I forgave you so much." I forgave you so much. That man ends up in jail, but God says, I forgave you so much. Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He had the right to not die. He had the right to stay with God. He had the right to expect us just to be good enough. And he gave it up.